0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Come on, a measure of the truth, measure of the truth. Teach it to the youth, come on and get to Turn it up, yeah. all It's a measure of the truth, truth. Y'all,
0: measure the truth. Talk radio. (laughs) Yeah, all those other stations out there, they always got something to say. Sure, but uh, not this station right here. We don't just got something to say, y'all. We got the truth.
2: Welcome, truth seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on BlogTalkRadio.com, and I'm your host, Michael Fordham. Look, if you just click the link on my webpage, or you're listening on BlogTalkRadio.com, or even the Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page, and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. So give us a call. The number is three four seven three two six nine four seven zero. Or if you like, you could Twitter me your questions and comments at twitter.com/slash A Measure of Truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with the photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at ameasureoftruth at gmail.com. Look, we've got a great show for you today. Tonight on A Measure of Truth, we speak with Coach Keith Stevens, coach of the Washington, D.C.'s Team Takeover Championship AAU basketball team that has college recruiters buzzing about the talent in the program after being crowned the champions of the inaugural Nike Elite Basketball League. But before we talk sports, let's feature a new segment on A Measure of Truth that provides solutions and strategies to reverse the fallout of the current mortgage crisis. This new segment is called King Street, hosted by our resident real estate expert, Christopher King. Chris, we're really excited to feature you on this segment tonight, so let's get started. And welcome to A Measure of Truth.
3: Well, thank you, Michael. My name is Christopher King. I'm excited about being on this show and discussing the solutions to the real estate market, the, real, the current real estate crisis, I should say, which my whole basis on that is education and the importance mm-hmm. of getting pre- and post-purchase education.
2: Okay. Well, tell us a little bit about what you've got for us tonight. Give us a brief outline and tell us what we'll be getting into.
3: Well, in today's session, we're going to... Talk about the important role that credit and financial literacy plays into pre-purchase, uh, pre- and post-purchase education. A lot of people pretty much don't see the value in understanding the importance of getting their credit um, pulled and ran and then understanding what their credit is before they go to take a real estate professional, as well as how, once you purchase a home, how your credit will change as well. And same thing with it relates to financial literacy, uh, saving, planning. And how your finances changes considerably once you transition from home ownership to renting.
2: And tell us a little bit about your experience, of course, in foreclosures too, and and why um your your skills are so much needed in today's market.
3: Well, basically, I'll start by saying that before I got into foreclosure work, I was a real estate agent, and during my time as a real estate agent, I realized I was being trained on a certain uh, marketing method to bring new clients in, which was to call existing homeowners, and this was in the 2003 frame and talked them into selling their home or allowing me as an agent to list their home. And we have a variety of different sales strategies we use. I didn't feel very comfortable with that because I understood that the economics of real estate, that just talking to homeowners and selling their home for submission wasn't a very prudent thing to do. And so I began to be- become disillusioned with the whole real estate agent portion of it and I began to do research and realized there were a lot of homeowners that would, at that time, faced the foreclosure for a variety of reasons, um, namely uh, just bad management of their finances or they got some loan products they just didn't understand. And so I became more and more um, inclusive about the foreclosure and what can be done about it. And I, became, um, I began to take classes and later on became an actual certified foreclosure consultant, volunteering my time with HUD certified nonprofit organizations and providing foreclosure counseling and solution services to keep homeowners in their homes.
2: Wow. That's great. You know, and I commend you on that. And as a matter of fact, we actually met on Capitol Hill where they were actually putting together an economic, um, White paper, a crisis white paper on the current economic solutions that will help to get our economy jump started again. And uh, it was a, an amazing event to be able to hear all of these experts be able to, to share their knowledge. And, and um, we met there and I'm glad to see that there were some people there who were not just on the panel and who weren't looking to get something out of it who are still looking to contribute after the fact as well.
3: Exactly. Exactly, and that's really was the key thing. In order to get this crisis turned back around, again, it all really leads to education, education in the context of what the real estate community can do, education in the context of what the lawmakers can do, as well as what current homeowners can do to actually stay in their home. And right now several different banks have uh, GMAC, Morgan Chase, as well as Bank of America have now started enacting in certain areas of the country, a foreclosure moratorium are not foreclosed on their home. I think that's important Listeners listeners to understand that that if they are facing foreclosure, there are certain things they can do to actually stay in their home. Number one is seek counseling before it gets too late. And seek counseling from a certified nonprofit or HUD-approved nonprofit counseling agency, and it's important to note there is no charge for that service.
2: Right. And why is it so important to find someone who is a non profit in this field in order to seek your help?
3: Well, the reason it's important is because right now the government has allocated funds for nonprofits to pretty much provide these services to home buyers for foreclosure free of charge. And if they were and that's why no homeowner should have to pay for any kind of foreclosure counseling or mediation service. Also right. it's important got a HUD approved nonprofit because they are the experts and trained experts to be your advocate when discussing your mortgage with your lender. If you were to call, it's much like going into court, I use it now, as you're going into court without an attorney and trying to represent yourself, calling the lender and trying to represent yourself as far as stating a case why you should be in your home would be the equivalent of going into court without an attorney. The counselors act as your advocate. They know what questions to say. They know what what kind of conversation, what kind of dialogue to have with the lender to make sure that you can stay in your home comfortably and ensure that you won't be put out your home without having you do a lot of unnecessary steps, like give all your 401K or go borrow all your money from friends or family members or anything in that kind of magnitude.
2: Now, uh, tell us a little bit about some of the the those tactics that are being used to sort of rope people in and, and um, how are people being misled and, and finding themselves in situations where they it's too late for them to realize that they are, are in too deep or is it always some help out there regardless of how far they've gone in this um, refinance process or whatever they've done to be able to try to dig themselves out?
3: Well, there's always some help. It just depends on the extent of the help or what help is available. It really depends on what stage you are in. Now, if you Speaking of existing homeowners, and they are, uh, if you get one, one month behind your mortgage, maybe 30 days behind your mortgage, then there are a variety of options for you. And the quicker you recognize that you're falling behind your mortgage payments due to um, just not have enough money or because the economy has reduced your salary or a loved one has been laid off or some kind of injury, then it's best to contact a HUD-certified housing agency at that time. Now, Worst case scenario, and I'm referring to the state of Maryland because each state has different foreclosure uh, laws. In the state of Maryland, it's a 90-day window for keeping you in your home or their lender has before they can um, foreclose. And the process begins this way. Once you become 30 days behind your mortgage, you get a letter, and basically you're dealing with the collection support. Now, once you become 90 days behind your mortgage, your, uh, mortgage at that point, the loan transfers to what's considered the loss mitigation department. The loss mitigation department, at that point, their job is to pretty much mitigate the loss to the lender. Their job is to find out what caused you to fall behind and what they can do. And that entails getting a complete understanding of your income and your expenses, as well as finding out about a hardship as far as why you fell behind and looking at how quickly you can make a payment. And those are the conversations I'm pretty much advising homeowners not to have with the lender directly because that conversation can lead to giving a lot of money up that maybe you might not have. And the HUD-approved 4th so consultant will be a better person to actually have the conversation that dialogue with the lender. Now, as it relates to actually pre-purchase a house, well, what happens with a lot of real estate marketing get homeowners throwing the idea of no money down, Uh, bad credit, no credit. And those are the hooks or the baits to get people to come in. And, of course, any time you're dealing with no money down or bad credit, there's always going to be a hook where you're going to pay a lot of money for interest on a monthly basis, or you're going to pay a lot of money or you're going to be put into a bad loan that actually changes or, as they say, adjust or adjustable rate mortgage. And those are things that get people in trouble.
2: And here's another technique, if I can just add this in there as well. When the the, um – The market itself hinges on the real estate agent. And so I I believe that, and I I actually know of this occurring, that real estate agents out there found people who were shopping. And um, in my opinion, their job was not to help you find a house, but to help you to stop looking. And the easiest way to get you to stop looking is to show you something bigger than you thought you could afford, and that becomes your dream house. And next thing you know, you're in closing.
3: That's correct. That is correct. There was a lot of um, real estate professionals who I would say were pretty much, for lack of a better word, hustlers as opposed to really their real estate professionals. And their job was really they were primarily focused on their commission.
2: Yeah, and, absolutely.
3: And as you know, with real estate as a commission-based real estate, set up there incentive is to sell your house that's as low as possible so that the agent and the lender can get a larger commission.
0: Right, right.
2: And
3: that's that's really why I stress the importance of. It becoming educated before you actually even began to go out here and dialogue with these real estate professionals.
2: Now, tell us a little bit more. Give us an example of um, someone that you've helped and um, give us an example of their situation and some of the um, key elements that had to be in place to help them to be able to get themselves back on track.
3: Well, basically, I'll I'll talk about a client that I helped from a pre-purchase standpoint, and that is, this was a client that an elderly couple who was actually purchasing their first home and in their entire lives. And they're an elderly couple in the, ages, in the age range of about 60 to 70. And one of the issues they had to overcome was credit. And right now, the average credit score, or the industry standard credit score to qualify for a mortgage is 620. Now, this couple, when I met them, had a credit score of
0: 440.
3: Mm. So Basically, it took a lot of work in order to get their credit to improve. Now, I see a lot of people, and there's also a lot of fraud around credit repair, and I really don't like that term, credit repair, because what it's really saying is that you can repair something that's bad. And basically, credit and finances are predicated on a person's habits. And so in order to really effectively begin to get a person to, and I call it credit management, management credit, is through education, it's through um, a process of restoring credit through a process of um, disputing negative information, as well as a process of becoming educated on how to properly manage your credit. And so, using that couple, I was able to work with them through workshops, through education, and calling and paying off negotiators. And I mean, I'm sorry, calling and paying off uh, creditors to get their credit score up to a 620. And I can, um, I'm happy to say that we were able to get them in a position they were able to buy their first home as well as qualify for the $8,000 tax credit. And that, to me, was a really uh, a a big success story because this this was the couple's first home in their lives.
2: Wow. And and you make a really good point because even with all the programs that are out there to help people to get out of their situations, the first thing is you have to qualify for them. And, um, yeah, the credit score is the primary factor that will – you know, allow you to be able to um, start your recovery.
3: Exactly, exactly. And not to jump back and forth between pre and post. And when I say post, I'm referring to people who are existing homeowners. Uh, a case in and and one of the uh, clients that I had in the past was a homeowner who was actually uh, facing foreclosure, and she was two months behind her mortgage, and she was a single mom. She had two kids, and she really had no... Um, answer, no idea of how she was going to pretty much deal with the fact of losing her home. Well, she came on board as a client, and I was able to ascaint, uh, ascertain the reason she fell behind, which is called a hardship. And basically, not to get too personal with it, but her hardship was due to the fact that she was not receiving, she was receiving uh, child support up until the point where um her the father of her children just stopped paying. And that loss of child support really caused her to have a loss in income, which eventually led to her becoming behind on a mortgage and led to poor While well, I was able to take her case, demonstrate her capabilities of being able to afford the property, if the interest rate was reduced. And through my negotiation and working closely with the client, we were able to get the bank to drop her interest rate from a 6% interest rate down to a 2% interest rate for five years to make the, um, mortgage affordable for her at her current income level without the child support.
2: Wow, that's great. That's great. And we, we've just got a caller that called in. We're going to go ahead and check with them and, and find out who this is. Welcome, caller. You're listening to A Measure of Truth. This is King Street Edition.
4: Yeah, hi. This is Ryan Pequin uh, with First Home Mortgage. How are you?
2: Great, great. How are you? Good. Good. And, um, um Chris, I guess you had him call in, and um, you want to go ahead and introduce him?
3: Yes, I'd like to introduce him. This is um, my first guest. His name is Ryan Paquin of First Home Mortgage, and he is a mortgage lender that I work with as we do pre-purchase and post-purchase buying education classes. And I wanted to bring uh, Ryan in to talk about some of the key things, such as what today's interest rates are and just his experience as far as working with buyers as it relates to education. So Ryan, would you mind uh, tell us a little about yourself?
4: Sure. Yeah, I've been uh, with First Home Mortgage for about four and a half years. I'm a direct lender. I've been in the business a little over eight years, and I am uh, originator and branch manager of a Bowie location. Uh, First Home Mortgage is a direct lender, and we lend about $200 million a month in uh, in loans. So we uh, do quite a bit of business, and our specialty for me and Bowie is the CDA program, which is the Maryland uh, Community Development Administration's More House for Less program, uh, along with some of the other grant programs that are available out there in Maryland and D.C. Um, Currently, right now, if you buy a house through the state of Maryland through CDA, they help with your down payment. They give you a $5,000 settlement and expense loan program uh, for $5,000 at a 0% interest rate. So you don't have to make any payments on that loan. It's uh, it's, uh, it's good for the life of your loan, and you only have to pay it back when you sell your house or refinance your house. So it helps with your required down payment on an FHA loan. And along with that, uh, homebuyer's education is required. And I think that's part of the reason why Chris wanted me to call in tonight is to discuss how important the homebuyer's education is. Uh, it is mandatory when going through any of these grant programs. Wow, okay, well, that's awesome.
3: Brian, well, uh, what would you say from um, a percentage of clients that you, you deal with on a daily basis that you would say um, coming to your office, that are quote-unquote mortgage ready? And I say mortgage ready. Would you define it for our audience as well?
4: I'd say probably a quarter. Twenty-five percent of the people that walk in my office are actually ready to buy a house, um, and that might be, that might be uh, a little high. <laughs> it's probably closer to 15%. Um, just for the fact that a lot of people that might have the credit and the assets and the income and everything to qualify for a a house, that doesn't necessarily mean they're educated in the home buying process and the home home keeping process, right? Because as Chris usually stresses, the most important thing isn't getting in the house. It's being able to keep your house and uh, be able to maintain your lifestyle. So that's, that's part of the education that Chris and I like to uh, teach is, is, you know, it's not necessarily about keeping up with the Joneses and having this house and getting this house. It's about being able to keep it, have a long-term investment, try to build wealth through real estate.
3: Now, with that being said, what would you say is um, your experience and work clients? how do they respond when you suggest that education is important and should be required in order to receive the uh, grant and they pay uh I'm sorry. The down payment and closing cost assistance at the state office.
4: Well, you know, just like anything else that's required, at first you hear grumbling and himming and hawing about having to take a class on education. But by the end of it, or by the time they're back in my office taking application, I usually ask, eh, what'd you think of the class?" And they all like it. Not not one of them is like, "Oh, that was a waste of my time." Um, every single person I've ever talked to walks out of there has learned something. And some of them go for a second and third time um, just as a refresher. So it's definitely invaluable. And it certainly helps the lenders as well because a buyer that is educated uh, about the process from start to finish and about how to maintain a budget and about how to stay in your house um, and how to save money is definitely a better borrower long-term for servicers of loans and and lenders. Uh, That's a less likelihood of a foreclosure.
3: And And – all oh, right.
2: please, please guys, I, I mean, you've got the listeners now, they're eager to know exactly where they can find these classes and how they can attend and does it cost anything?
3: Well, yes, yeah. the, um there is an investment, I call it, of $50 that the classes cost. And it's a eight hour class and, the cl- and they can register for the class by going to the website, uh, my www.rrs, which is Realty Regulatory Services, com.
2: And are they all over? Or where are they actually located? Where you guys actually teach these classes or seminars?
3: Well, we predominantly teach the classes and seminars in Prince George's County. And the area in Prince George's County is either Landover, Bowie, or um, Upper Marlboro, Maryland. So we basically teach right now in three locations.
2: Okay. And do you guys have a website as well that um, can help some other people in the area that may not be as close? Because you, you do service the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area, or is it just Maryland?
4: I, I personally uh, service Maryland, D.C., and Virginia, yes.
2: Okay, great.
4: And so I do have a website that people can go to. It's very simple. It's gofirsthome.com, www.gofirsthome.com, and you would just search for me, Ryan Paquin, or you can do um, – you can add the uh, forward slash Ryan underscore Paquin to the website and that'll find me directly. And there's actually an online application. If you want to get your credit report pulled as well, you can do that.
2: Okay, great, great. And um, go ahead and, and spell out your last name as well, Ryan.
4: P-A-Q-U-I-N, Paquin. Okay, great.
3: Also, Michael, let me state this too. Any If any of your um, listeners have questions concerning the uh classes or just um educational just ready to get started. You can also email me at um I'll say my I'll say it first and I'll spell it as Doctor Save My Home at Gmail dot com and I spell Doctor D R then S A V E M Y H O M E at Gmail dot com.
2: All right, very good. And and we're gonna post that on the show too. We'll we'll put that in the comment section. And um So you you guys, you teach these courses, you help people, and you walk through the process with them. Um, They become educated, and that sort of helps everybody out in the process. And just go ahead and tell us a little more.
4: Well, Well, you know, a lot of people that I'm sorry, Chris. A lot of people that go to these go to these classes are not ready to buy homes, even when they finish the class. So part of what we do is credit counseling and how to uh, operate a budget, how to how to set up a budget for yourself so that you can. Figure out how to save money, maybe pay down some debt or collections that you might have, to get yourself mortgage ready. Whether it's six months down the road, a year or two down down the road, but eventually you will be ready if you follow the plan that's set forth by Chris.
2: Oh, great, great! And we just got another caller in. You're listening to A Measure of Truth. This is the King Street edition. Welcome to the show. Who do we have calling?
5: Uh, my name is Rich Rudy.
2: Oh, hi, Rich. How are you? Very good. Good, good. And Chris, tell us a little bit about why you had Rich call in.
3: Well, Rich is a a, um, a builder that I'm working with, with Foster Real Estate Communities. And basically, I came across Rich through a another lender who referred me to him. And him and I have, we've known each other a very short period of time, but we've established a very good rapport and relationship with each other. And one thing that impressed me, and I'll say this about Rich now that him began to explain or, uh, introduce himself a little more is the fact that I would call him a builder with a heart, and he was the hmm. first builder I've ever worked with. And I've worked with several different builders, and most builders, and rightly so, a really profit gen profit centered, profit focused. And you need to be if you're going to be in business. But at the same time, he was able to actually truly care about his clients in the context of making sure that they understood what they were getting into and actually worked with the client and did a variety of different things to make sure this client was able to qualify and eventually purchase a home. And it goes Hmm. far above, far and above most work that builders generally do. So I would like uh, Rich to pretty much talk about uh, how long you've been in business, your years of experience, and just, you know, what's your
5: niche, Rich? Well, uh, first of all, thank you, uh, Christopher, very much. And uh, I have enjoyed our interaction, uh, especially the education uh, component uh, related to credit. I, I've been in the building business and actually a licensed real estate broker since uh, the mid-80s. And um, The home building company that Christopher refers to, Foster Communities, uh, we have catered to first-time homebuyers, uh, probably have built over 2,000 houses uh, since the mid-80s uh, for first-time homebuyers and have uh, Kind of created our niche as uh, dealing with people that may have issues uh, that may not be able to buy today. Uh, you know, we're in communities where uh, we're developing lots that could be delivered, you know, in the near term uh, or as much as a year or longer out. So, um, uh, our niche that we've cr- created it has been to take people, find find out what their um, current issues are. They could be short of cash. They could have Certain credit issues uh, it, it could just be uh, the, the time in their life is not quite right, but they like what they see and we, we've kind of fit them into a program where we work with them over time uh, you know to to build them a house uh, and uh, get a lot of satisfaction out of taking people that may not uh, you know be your typical uh, seemingly qualified buyer and yeah but yet we we turn them around over time and and they end up not, you know building a house and and uh realizing their dream.
2: That's awesome.
5: Yeah. Yeah, Christopher actually has uh, recently helped us uh with a couple in a house in Baltimore City that, uh, that that we built. Uh we contracted uh 54 weeks uh from almost to the day that we settled them last Friday. And uh, there was a whole host of issues, you know, ranging from uh, collections, uh, state and federal tax liens, uh, you know, derogatory credit, uh, and some some things having to do with circumstances in their life that were just difficult. And uh, Christopher methodically straightened them out uh, over the course with their help, assisted them, educated them. Uh, took them through his program, and uh, in in the course of about six months, the last six months of that year plus, um, worked very closely with them, and and they realized their dream. They were as happy as could be. Um, They they were able to take uh, advantage of the federal tax credit Uh, that expired on the 30th. That was the day they settled, so they enjoyed an $8,000 benefit as well. So. Uh, the whole education part of of, of this process is uh, is key, and uh, the obstacles can be overcome if, if there's a plan and if if all the facts are laid out. If uh, that's that's how we work with people, if, if someone comes in and they're uh, they're willing to uh, share all of all of the issues, um, you know, we feel as though we we can get them into a, a new home. Uh, and it may take a little bit of time. It may not. The obstacles may not be as uh, as large as, as they appear uh, initially. Um, somebody, I, I'll just share this last quick story. Somebody literally today just uh, just said to me that it's like a thousand, uh, for, for people, their, their credit issues or financial issues, lack of cash or too much debt is, is like a thousand-piece puzzle sitting on their dining room table. And, they just don't know how to tackle it, and they'll leave it in that dining room and not go look at it because they don't want to have to deal with it. And that's where, uh, you know, a professional, having a professional come in and work uh, with you closely, uh, can, you can start to chip away at that puzzle and, and then put it together uh, uh, over time. And I thought that was a, kind of a striking analogy. Uh, someone just said that to me today, actually.
3: Actually, and let me piggyback on what Richard was saying as well, because I want to stress the point, importance of, uh, Michael, of letting your listeners know that my program is not really for everybody. And the reason I say that is because you mentioned one of the key things there. I assist the clients with overcoming their challenges. In other words, there's no uh, miracle solutions that I provide. There's no uh, clean your credit up quickly process that I do. It's a thorough credit management Education process that the clients undergo. And it's important that people understand that because there's a lot of scam owners out here who promise to pretty much help a person clean their credit up quickly in 30 days, 30 to 90 days. And my my statement I I use this analogy here that imagine if you're going the wrong direction and most people believe that they can just hit a quick U-turn and just go simply by just making a turn the wheel, and they expect their services and their life to turn around like that. What I explain to people, life doesn't work that way, particularly as it relates to credit and finances. It's more like an ocean line. You make small adjustments in the wheel, and you might not see the immediate turning of the wheel, but eventually down the road you realize that you've actually turned a full 180 degrees and now you're heading in the right direction. And that's what I stress the importance that only two things can really, as it relates to credit, uh, Resolve the credit issues. And that's time and money, and time from the context of time to reestablish new credit, and again as money as it relates to paying and negotiating off creditors and actually paying back what you actually uh, what you owe. You know, a lot of that is result of people who people misconceptions have. A, I would say people have a misconception of credit. They look at credit as free money, and that's why I stress some points of education because it gets people to understand that. Credit is not free money. Credit is a tool, a tool to be used to help you to qualify and purchase things that you normally can't purchase with cash. And it should not be used to just go out here and purchase everything. Which is, you know, which one of the pet peeves I have with our advertisers and our our um, society—the way they treat credit as though it's just something cool, and they got credit cards and different sports team names and everything. But what's
2: missing is credit education around how to go about using a credit thing mm. Awesome. That's great. It sounds like you guys really, really have a, a good relationship going, a good program. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to um, continuing to educate our listeners as well by these um, radio programs that um Chris, you're putting together, and King Street looks like it's going to, you know, be something that's really going to reach out and help a lot of people. Hopefully, not just in this area, but across the country as well.
3: Yes, yeah, and and thank you for that. And that's really what our intent is. I'm actually putting together a team of who I feel are professional people, as well as um, honest and have integrity. And that to me is really what's important because. There are a lot of real estate professionals out there. There's a variety of different lenders. There's a variety of different um, builders. But what's missing for most of them is integrity, actually caring about their clients and, more importantly, not just caring about them through the process when they get a commission, but caring about them after they actually purchase a home. As Ryan talked about sustainability, and one of the things that I I stress in my classes is the fact that you know, the home buying process is really straightforward, you know, to be quite honest. You can, if you have a credit score right now, industry standard of 620, and you have at least 3.5% to put down on a home, you can typically go out and buy a house, you know, of course, depending on your, on your debt and you know, what you qualify for, but having those two dynamics will get you into a home for the most part. But what i stress to the people, it's not home buying that's the difficult part. It's home sustainability. And home sustainability comes from Prepaying, uh, preparing a process of education, of going through and understand who the professionals are. I mean, if you're going to go out here and work with, uh, different real estate professionals, what I stress to them is the importance of understanding that you are now an employer and you are hiring a real estate agent. You're hiring a lender. You're hiring a settlement attorney and home inspector and other professionals. They're going to be along the way. And so throughout this hiring process, just as an employer must know how to screen and interview an employee before you hire And that's pretty much what the education process teaches them. That's one function, of them, one component. Teach them how to go out here and, and interview these real estate professionals and make sure that they're qualified, that they have integrity, and that they're going to be working with them and and not also be dependent upon the real estate professional for all their real estate knowledge. And lastly, um, I'll wrap this point out by saying this, what I'm stressing is that a client does not need to know everything about real estate. It's, it's really going to be impossible for them to understand that. But what they need to understand, now you can now give a car. You don't necessarily know how the car works. All you understand is how to put it in drive and drive the car. Now, if it breaks down, you go to a mechanic and have them repaired. In it. the same way, it applies to real estate. You don't have to understand every component where a renter does, with a builder does, what a real estate agent does attorney, so on and so forth. But you do need to understand key things about what they do as it relates to your plan. And getting into a home that's comfortable and affordable to you should be what your key and primary goal is.
2: Yeah, and another thing, too, that needs to be undone is just because of the fear of this crisis itself has taken new home homebuyers and, and put them in hibernation. A lot of people fear the process because they've only witnessed – you know, one result of how things are done unsuccessfully, instead of how this can actually become, you know, the best investment you can possibly ever um, purchase in your life.
5: Exactly. That, exactly. This is rich. That is a criti- That is a critical point. Now that there is a laundry list of reasons why, uh, especially a first-time homebuyer uh can take advantage of a marketplace you know which I'm sure some of these had been previously discussed lowest uh, interest rates uh that we've seen in, in decades and uh uh prices that have uh, normalized and uh, buying at at, at uh, the bottom of the market the opportunity you know to build wealth and, and enjoy a, a different quality of life there are so many reasons that uh that people can benefit from owning a home and um it, there's a lot of negative uh, uh information out there that might lead someone to believe otherwise and uh uh that uh, anybody who has an interest uh can can explore it doesn't cost anything to to explore uh, uh but it's a better situation than standing on the sidelines and not taking advantage of of uh, a tremendous opportunity right now that everyone should explore uh, who who uh, doesn't? Uh, who's not in a home ownership uh, position? Whether it's a it, it's a move up or or even a first time home buyer.
2: No, yeah, that's great. Well, I want to thank you, um, Rich, for adding that as well. And um, we're, we're just getting close to the end of the show, and I want to make sure, Chris, you've covered everything. So, did you have something else for us as well?
3: Well, what I wanted to do was um, briefly have Ryan talk about some of today's current interest rates so that people can understand when we talk about um, some of the benefits of home buying right now, they can really understand that. So, Ryan, would you mind discussing that?
2: And I don't believe Ryan is still with us. We've lost one call, so um, I don't know if he's going to call back in, but um, he's been missing for about two, three minutes now.
3: Okay. Well, how about yourself, Rich? Do you have any input on the interest rates?
5: Uh, absolutely, you know you have interest rates uh, now uh, most uh, most financing um, that we see people taking advantage of now are, are in the FHA uh, marketplace um, interest rates in the four percent range uh, plus or minus by by buying that rate down, you can actually get into into the upper threes um, for a first time home buyer in certain situations where you know that it, it might be a temporary um, situation and you'd move up in the years to come maybe a a starter townhouse or something like that you you can actually get uh a five year fixed f h a uh that then adjust afterwards uh that, that start in the say two and three quarter two two and seven eighths uh range um so interest rates are are um, we've we've never seen them um i think sustained uh, th- this low it's an ideal time and and there are also programs available uh, to assist, um, which I'm sure Ryan spoke about earlier, through CDA. Um, uh, for instance, we are a builder participant uh, with CDA. We're a CDA approved builder, and there's a special $5,000 um, uh, uh, builder participant contribution that we can make on behalf of a purchaser that I'm pretty certain they can't they can't get if it's in a, uh, a resale purchasing an existing home. So there's just uh, countless uh, opportunities uh, out there for someone, um, you know, to purchase purchase their first home.
3: And let me add this last point before we wrap up, Michael, is that what I want to really stress is the importance of the incentives and the interest rates and the time of the market. All those things are great. But really um, the first step that um, interested home buyers should make is get, to get educated and to get educated about their credit, their finances, and just have a concrete plan as far as how do you want to go about buying a
2: home. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Chris, look, I want to thank you for um, bringing this idea and this concept to me. And, um, again, we're going to look forward to um, building upon this dialogue and continuing to bring people on to help folks and to keep them abreast of what's going on in today's current market.
3: Well, thank you for having me, Michael. I look forward to that and forward to working with you and, and begin to change the mindset that it's a bad market, but really begin to get people educated and realize this is about one of the best times about real estate I've seen in the last twenty five years.
2: Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much again, Chris, and also as well, Rich. Thank you for calling in and your insight as well. And um, we look forward to hearing from you, Chris, again um, in the near future. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Michael Fordham, host of A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. I want to take a quick minute to talk to you about Young Lives DC 34. Young Lives is a unique, cutting-edge, nonprofit Christian organization designed to empower and equip pregnant and parenting teen moms to become productive citizens in the community a program that partners teens and mature Christian women to provide teen girls in crisis with timely encouragement, guidance, and ongoing support. Through the power of presence, kids' and teens' lives are dramatically impacted when caring adults come alongside them, sharing God's love. Because someone believes in them, they begin to see that their lives have great worth, meaning, and purpose. This is just the first step in a lifelong journey. The choices they make today based on God's love for them will impact their future decisions, the careers they choose, the marriages they form, and the families they raise. And all of this can be traced back to the time when a Young Life leader reached out and entered their world. For more information or to get involved, check out their webpage at www.younglives.younglife.org. Or if you're in the D.C. metropolitan area, call 202-399-7017.
0: Truth
2: Seekers, you're listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com, and I'm your host, Michael Fordham. Look, we're going to phase into our next section of the show, and we're going to talk with Keith Stevens. Now, Keith is the coach of the championship AAU team that has the D.C. college recruiters buzzing about the talent in this program. Team Takeover, Washington, D.C., were crowned champions of the inaugural Nike Elite Basketball League. Keith, welcome to A Measure of Truth. Oh, Keith, welcome to A Measure of Truth.
6: Michael, I thank you for having us on. This is me.
2: All right, all right. We had a little problem there in a minute. But, um, yeah, we also have Mikael Stevens on, and we're going to bring him on in a minute. But tell us about your success of this basketball team, and just tell us about your program and why it's been getting so much attention.
6: I I think it's just a group of young kids that, you know, that want to earn an opportunity to go to college and, you know, and earn that, you, you know, using basketball for a vehicle to get higher education and, you know, and just be productive in life.
2: Man, and it's awesome, man. Because the kids you're working with are 17 and under, and and those are some of the hardest kids to reach. And to be able to to pull their talent out of them and help them to get their lives on track is just amazing, man.
6: It is, it is. I mean, but the the first and foremost, the kids gotta want it. You know, they gotta want to be successful in life. And I think we've we've been fortunate to have a a group of kids that's born into, you know, what success is all about. You know, and that's I think that's half the battle.
2: Well, walk us through um, how how this season began and, um, you know, how how you got your your guys ready to to be the champions that they are.
6: I mean, I think a lot of it is based on hard work. We we really, really dedicate ourselves to getting, you know, conditioning our bodies and, you know, team camaraderie and just realizing that no one one individual, you know, can win a basketball game. It's going to take a team effort. and, And those guys were very good at, you know, and believing in that, and I think they they really showed by winning the e y b l league you know which is one of the toughest leagues to win
2: right right and I, and I read somewhere too that none of your players have shot over twenty points in the game that everything is pretty much the team. it's not about anybody in particular,
6: exactly, exactly, and I think that's what you know what you're gonna you gotta be able to be willing to work with when you go into the work world, just how to work with the team. You know, things of that nature. Those kids really, really sacrificed, you know, coming from high schools where they were the man. And, you know, and the, the program was built around them to come as a, a collective group of all-stars and being able to play together and put, check the egos at the door to be successful.
2: And, and tell us, um, so how, how did you get into this basketball thing? I mean, you've got a, um, a long history of being in the game. And tell us a little bit about that.
6: I started, actually, I was playing high school basketball and coaching at the same time when I was 17 years old, Um, coaching a young lady that used to play for the Mystic and the L.A. Sparks, Nikki Teasley, and and from there I ended up coaching, you know, going and coaching high school basketball for some odd, probably about seven or eight years coaching guys like DeMar Johnson that played with the Atlanta Hawks and Rodney White that played with the Detroit Pistons and um, Ty Lawson plays with the different, different Nuggets. So I had an opportunity to coach a lot of really, really good players and um, you know, became you know, just became a passion of mine. You know, just knowing that I can impact lives and help kids to be successful using basketball as a vehicle, as opposed to letting the game, the game of basketball, use them.
2: Yeah, and you know what? Um, but there, there's got to be something else that you're doing different because. Um... Not only uh, are, are these guys successful, some of them going into the NBA, but um, they they just got their heads together. Tell us a little bit about your philosophy that helps these kids to to mature through this process and to go out and do the right thing.
6: I think the biggest thing, man, in life is holding people, holding these kids accountable. You know, mm. not allowing them to, to believe that they're bigger than, bigger than life itself. You know, kind of checking the egos at the door, like I said, with a team effort, but More so from a life perspective, just understanding that, you know, success success is hard work. You know, and and only any any road to success, there's going to be, you know, bumps in the road and things like that. But you got to stay focused in order to be successful, and know that, you know, there's going to be ups and downs, but you got to remain focused. I think that's 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 the biggest thing.
2: And um, we've actually got um, Michael Stevens on the line too. Michael Stevens. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Hopkins, (laughs) <laughs> Hopkins, <laughs> welcome to A Measure of Truth.
7: How you doing?
2: Good, good, good. And, and we were just talking about um, Coach Stevens' philosophy. And um, how did you respond to that when you first came on the team? Uh, it was
7: tough because uh, coming from a program uh, like I played for, like I wasn't the best guy on my team. And I, as I worked during the summer, I got a lot better. So I, I became cocky, but, uh, Coach Stevens didn't allow that to be, on his tech, uh, that to be in this program, so he corrected everybody Everybody told him they arose for the, uh, for the team, man. Uh, everybody accepted that and just came together and played hard.
2: And tell us a little bit of how how he corrected it. How did he um, make an impact on you to make you change your ways?
7: He basically said if you don't do what he telling them to do, then we're not playing. And everybody want to play. Nobody just want to be there on the team sitting on the bench. Everybody wanted to get a chance to go out there and show what they can do. So if he didn't abide by what he said, he wasn't going to get a chance
2: to do that. And did he ever not do what he said he would if you did not um, abide by the rules?
7: Never. He never let a player run his thing. This is always his organization, and everybody knew that.
2: Right. And, and could you see in him that he was making you guys the winners that you would eventually become? Yeah,
7: because – each game, he never let a player uh, just be out there on the court doing what they wanted to do. He always pushed them, made them play as hard as they could. And if you didn't do that, then you weren't gonna play. Um, I believe he's one of the best coaches I ever had, and I, I feel as though he gave me play the hardest I can in each game. There's never a game when I'm out there just uh, just lollygagging. He always made me play hard, and if I don't
2: do that, then I'm not gonna play. Man, that's that's just a testament. You know, Keith Steedon, you know, he says you're one of the best coaches, but I, I'm gonna. You know, venture to guess—you're probably one of the best role models out there for young men.
6: I would sure hope so. I mean, I have a 20-year-old son also that came up through the program, and I'm quite sure that, you know, he would say it was it was hard on him. And actually, his first tryout for the team, I actually cut him.
0: Wow.
6: <laughs> so, <laughs> you know that, and I think there was a life a life lesson just to show him that, you know, no one is going to give you anything for free in this world. You have to go out and earn it, whether it's your dad, your uncle, whoever it may be. You know, you know, it's something that you have to go out and work hard for and earn.
2: Wow, man, you cut your son now. I tell you, you yeah. know, if you get cut, you can always go home and pout, and you know, family will understand. But he, he can't pout around the house if you cut him.
6: Oh no, <laughs> he's he coming home. I mean, and no, it was rough, you know, because I'm a, you know, at the time it was just me and him. I'm a single parent,
2: uh-huh. and
6: you know, just coming home every day, my mom and my sisters calling me, you know, complaining about him being cut was. That wasn't the easiest thing to deal with, you know, you know my girlfriend on my back and everything. So it was a little different. Wow,
2: wow, wow! But you, you had to stay strong, huh?
6: Oh yeah, I think it paid off. You end up getting a full scholarship to Boys State University to play basketball. So I think it. I think you got the message.
2: Wow, and, and tell us a little bit about some of your other um, prodigies that came out of your program that are um, out there in college as well as the NBA.
6: Oh, man, we've we've had a lot of success in the last four years. We've had over probably forty-five to fifty kids that go on to play Division One basketball and four scholarships. You know, guys like Jeffrey Allen that plays out of Virginia Tech University, um, Ty Lawson who's who's now playing with the Denver Nuggets, um, uh, Eric Green who's at Virginia Tech University, Victor Oladipo's at um, Indiana, Jerry and Grant's at um, Notre Dame. So we, we've had a great base. We've got Ben Hazel who's at Princeton University. So you know, the, best, the biggest testament to the program is we try to get solid kids that want to be successful, like I said, you know, and they realize that without academics, none of that is going to be possible.
2: And um, the, the thing is, is with all these kids, you still have relationships with them now. You still are in contact with them, and um, they, they, they support your program as well.
6: Yes, they do. I mean, you know, I talk to the guys who's in college at least once a week or once every other week, and the, the guys like Ty Lawson, and even a guy who didn't play with the program but respected, like Ron Butler has been great from a monetary standpoint just supporting the program and, you know, being there to mentor kids and things, and Steve Francis and, and guys like that. So we, we've been fortunate to have some great guys that respect what we've done with these, with these young gentlemen in, in the community.
2: And, um, Michael, while we still got you on the line, tell us a little bit about how you think this um, this discipline has helped you in your life, even outside of basketball.
7: Uh, I, I think it, it helped me become a better man. Like um,
4: now, I know that everything
7: I, everything I want I want to do, I'm going to have to work for it. going to be given to me. Uh, so, like that's the main thing. Coach uh, Stevens taught me how to work hard. He you know, pushed me through the hardest. Because like, even if I don't make it to the NBA. I get a regular, regular job. I'm gonna have like challenges, and now I got the I got the toughness uh, to
2: fight through anything that's uh, put in front of me. That's what I thank him for doing. and like that's why I, I, I love this program. And I, I'm always gonna be a part of it. Hmm. Wow. Wow. That's that's really something. And um, the lesson in in that is is you know no hard work is wasted. No hard work at all is wasted on anything. And um, you know we have got a little bit of noise on. Um, your phone, Keith, and um, I think we've fixed can it you? a little bit, but we may have to address it. we got a little bit of noise in the background.
6: Let me can see. You? Uh, probably, well, can you hear me now?
2: Yeah, I can, I can hear you, but I still hear that, that noise in the background. But we're going to take a, just a quick break and see if we can't fix that, and we'll be right back after this. Okay. A few weeks ago on my way home, I was stopped at the traffic light just before entering my neighborhood, and I was thinking to myself just how much better my commute was than it was the day before. Earlier that week, I took my usual shortcut behind the mayor's office, and my wife and I saw Mayor Adrian Fenty in his new smart car. He waved to my wife and I, but I couldn't get my camera out fast enough, and I missed a great photo opportunity. So on Thursday, being better prepared... I tried again, but the weather was bad, and of course, so was the traffic. And I got stuck behind the mayor's office for over 20 minutes. When I got home, I was so beat, I went straight to my office and got myself a 40-minute acupressure infrared heat massage, and that brought me back to life. But today, traffic was a breeze. At the traffic light, I happened to look over to the car next to mine and I saw a beautiful three-year-old little girl staring out of the window from her car seat in a daze. I smiled as I thought about how wonderfully simple our lives were back then when we were children. Then she noticed me, and she smiled back, and I looked away to see if the light had changed, and when I looked back again, I smiled and saw her looking at me, and then she started laughing hysterically only the way a three-year-old could. So I laughed, and she laughed, and the light turned green, and I waved goodbye and proceeded home. As I was driving, I thought to myself, if that would have occurred yesterday, even after my 90 minutes in traffic, that would have been all I needed to snap me back to life. A three-year-old smile versus my expensive massage bed. The kid wins every time. On the drive to my neighborhood, I had an epiphany. How many things have I placed in my life to make up for not taking the time to really enjoy all the simple things life has to offer? Well, I'm sure I'm not the only one. Many of us have forgotten how to enjoy and appreciate the little things or even the small steps of our accomplishments or the little likes in our relationships or the small things that bring us joy in the pursuit of things that would bring us greater happiness. We have become impatient and always looking ahead to the thing that we perceive to be the source of our happiness. Webster's defines joy as the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. Look, be careful in life that you do not lose your joy. Research shows that if you do, loss of good health is not far behind. Take time out to enjoy the little things in life. Rejoice in reliving life's joys through sharing them often with others. And take a moment to relax in your moment of peace through your joy instead of the empty pursuit of pleasure. If you ever lose sight of life's joy, take every step in your power to reclaim it as soon as possible. Your first step to reclaim true joy in life is just to look to God. He's always willing to show us his glory to all who are willing to seek. Just take a moment and look around you, and you will see his joy everywhere. But if you still need a starting point, look in the eyes of a child. The younger, the better. There you will find true joy, or in other words, joy and a measure of truth. Welcome back, Truth Seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. I'm your host, Michael Fordham, and we're on live talking with Coach Keith Stevens. Now, Keith, tell us a little bit about the Nike on League and about the program. Are you there, Keith? Oh, wow, we just lost (laughs) him. And, um, Mikael, can you tell us a little bit about the League and the program?
7: Um, you talking about the EYBL league? Yeah. In this oh, this was a new league they started uh, this year. I, I believe though it was be- it's better. It was just one of the best uh, leagues I played in because uh, it's going to, instead of going to a lot of other tournaments, they uh, they scheduled three main ones. Uh, the first one we went to uh, Hampton, Virginia, and that was the Boo Williams tournament. Uh, we played five games there. Then we went to Houston, Texas. We played five more games, and then we went to Los Angeles. And then out of those, they picked the 32 best teams. I mean, 32 teams with the best record, and brought them all to uh, Augusta, Georgia, for the uh, Peach Jam tournament. So that was the, like the, the March of Madness. They tried to do it like March of Madness. So out of those things, we went undefeated this year. I mean, and Peach Jam, we went eight and zero. We won the league championship, and that's how, like the program has always been a good team. They changed the name uh, two years ago from Triple Threat to St. Takeover. And oh, that was I that was see. Keith's decision. We used to be a Reebok team, and they changed it
2: to Nike. So. Oh, okay. And, and, Keith, you back now? Yes, I'm here. Yeah, we were just talking a little bit about the league in itself and um, just about how, you know, this was put together. And um, basically what it does is it brings together a lot of talent. And it's an under-17 league, but tell us a little bit more about it.
6: It's actually a 42-team league um, of Nike-sponsored teams. Um, and basically... The, the, the format, the format is four is four divisions. The five, the five top teams in each division makes the playoffs. Um, then the league has the opportunity to pick any four other teams that they choose to pick to get you a 24 team playoff. And then you just go to you go to Augusta, Georgia, and you basically start off with five teams in a pool uh, with the top two teams advancing, and then from there it's a single elimination. Uh, it's pretty competitive. Uh, you're talking about kids having an opportunity to play in front of, you know, coach guys like Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski, uh, John Thompson III. Wow. You know, Bill Self, some quality coaches,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and just
6: having an opportunity to audition for scholarships. And you know, I think it was good because you know AAU basketball gets a bad name because of a few bad apples, and a bunch, but what it bought, it bought stability and respectability you know, to summer summer travel team basketball.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. That's really awesome. It sounds like a great program, and um, I wish I knew a lot more about it. I plan on, you know, paying a lot more attention to it um, down the road. And um, tell us also a little bit about um, some of your relationships with the coaches of these um, college teams as well.
6: Um, I think I have some good relationships. Um, You know, one thing I think a lot of guys in this business respect is that I'm going to be a straight shooter. You know, and, you know, I just want what's best for my kids. It's not about anything, you know, undermining a program or trying to get paid off of a kid. It's about putting the kids in the best situation. You know, and at the end of the day, I'm just there to advise the kids. You know, as we go through the McHale process, he, he can tell you a little better. Like I tell him, I would never tell you where to go, but I will give you as much information as possible. This is part of growing up as a young man, learning how to make a decision. So you take the information that myself and your high school coaches give you and It is up to you to figure out what's the best move for you for the next four years of college as you as you, get, you prepare yourself for you know a lifelong.
2: And Michael, tell us a little bit about how important and um, having that type of uh, mentorship and advice um, at your disposal is.
7: Uh, really, I look at Coach uh, Stevens as a father. He is always there when I need to talk to him, uh, even if it's not about basketball. I can call him and talk to him about issues with my mother or my coach at school. So. I appreciate him being in my life. Like I met him when I was uh, fifteen, and he's been there for me every 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 day since then. So I appreciate him. He has been a role model to me. He showed me how it is to care about like for other people because he really does do care uh, a lot about us. Like even if he don't have something, here, give it to us just to let us know that like he's there for us. So I appreciate him and everything he has done for me.
2: And we can see the impact that. Um he's had on um, his his players as well as um, on young men because, you know, your reward is their success. And it's not just success of the team, it's success of the the program itself and the values that you've instilled in these young men.
6: Yeah, I think it's that reward. And, I mean, I know, like, there's many a days I look forward to watching these guys play basketball on TV and going to watch, you know, guys that's still in high school like Mateo Silva watch their games and there's days, like, I remember sitting in front of the TV and <clears throat> watching one of our former players, uh, Maurice Creek, was at, the, at Indiana University, and he was having a great freshman year, and he ended up breaking his kneecap on national TV during the middle of the game. And it was, like, mm. one of the most heartfelt moments for wow. me, just seeing that kid playing on the floor suffering, knowing, you know, what the severity was of that injury, you know, and it just really, really hurt. You know, you just you just, you just get so emotionally attached to these kids because – they're actually great kids, and you know they they respect what you do for them. You know, and they know it's not something that you have to do; it's something that you choose to do. You know, and it's 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 good. I mean, it's just a real respectable feeling towards them.
2: Right, right. And, and I can tell that you you know you're doing this for the love of the game and for the love of these kids and. Um, Your reward is such that, um, you know, it's not only that these kids will always look up to you, but um, I'm sure God will bless you with more talent in the future and um, for the things that you've done for these kids as well. I mean, you just can't beat it in today's world. And, um, uh, you know, I just really have to give you kudos for um, the the well job that you've done in being able to um, make an impact on these young men.
6: Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs)
0: Yeah, you know, I
2: yeah.
6: think I think a lot of the kids appreciate, it, and that's and that's more important. I mean, you know, it's not, it's like I tell my guys, like the coaches that I have, I have a great staff, and, and we don't we don't make any money from doing it, but I think everybody has a common goal, which is helping kids become successful, you know, and doing whatever we can in the community to, you know, to help people become successful and just you know have an opportunity, you know, and that's what it's really about, you know, giving a kid an opportunity, you know, being able to travel around and play basketball. For some of these kids, they've never left the area, but to be able to get on a plane for the first time or, you know, be away from mom and dad for a week for the first time, you know, and just know what it's like to be out there on your own. I think is a real, real good experience for those kids.
0: Yeah,
2: and and how do these kids find their way into your program? Do they try out at a certain time of the year? or
6: They, they try out. We also go out and look. We go, you know, as a collective staff, we go out and look at a lot of games during the season. But they also you know there's always an opportunity for kids to come and try to showcase them showcase in front of them you know so you know it's pretty much open you know unfortunately, you can't help everyone, but we try to help as many as we can to try to you know you know reach the goals that they're trying to reach
2: wow that's awesome and um you you've had quite a success rate and um you know, we look forward to following um, your career and um, checking in at the beginning of the season next year as well and just find out a little bit more about how you do what you do and, and going through your process. And, um, you know, you know, I just wish we had um, more men out there like you, more role models who are willing to deal with kids at this age group because, you know, they're very difficult. A lot of people shy away from that. You know what I mean?
6: Um- yeah, I definitely do. I definitely do. And we start early on. We start as early as 9 and 10 years old, you know, mm-hmm. I and mean? you know, they kind of come up through the program. And, you know, the only thing I promise the kids and their parents, if you, if you stay with the program and you graduate from the program, I can assure you you're going to get a scholarship to go on to college and your parents won't have to pay any money. You know, wow. I think, you know,
2: you said you guaranteed
6: that. Oh, if you graduate from the program, you're going to get a, a scholarship to college.
2: Wow, man. Yeah, that that says a lot about the the program in itself, man. That's exactly. Nice. I think it's
6: well respected. A lot of people know that whenever when the coaches come out, to respect our kids. Not only they're good, good good ball players, they're getting some quality kids. Right.
2: Right. Well, well, that that's just phenomenal. It's really phenomenal. And um, so tell us what what's up and coming. What what are you doing right now? What do you uh, what do you do when you're not coaching this particular um, league?
6: It's actually like right now we're going through the process with the guys that was on that championship team. Seven of them have already committed to universities to go on to play basketball next year on full scholarships. You know, we got three or four more guys that we're trying to get committed. So that's pretty much the focus right now and just trying to spend as much time with my family as possible.
0: You know, Mm
2: -hmm. before the
6: season comes back (laughs) around.
2: Right. So I see that this is um, a full circle thing where you actually, you finish the season and you immediately go to work trying to get these guys um, the scholarships and actually um, in college.
6: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely nonstop. I mean, we're, you know, I think Mikhail is one of the guys that, you know, we're trying to figure out where he's going to end up at, you know, hopefully in the next couple weeks. And, you know, there's three other guys. So, you know, it's... You know, it's stressful. It's stressful, but it's also fun because at the same time, you're watching these kids learn how to make decisions. You know, no one is making these decisions for them. They have mm-hmm. to learn how to make a decision for themselves. And if, you know, there's going to be some kids that make a great decision, there's going to be some that make a bad decision. But it shows you how to make decisions and how to deal with the decision-making process.
2: Right. And that's very important. That's very important. Wow. And so I'm sure they take a lot of the the, um, the discipline that they've learned from you and they learn how to um, make better practical use of that in the world as well through this process.
6: Oh, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, we've, we've been fortunate. A lot of guys that played for me before the program that played for me in high school are successful in the real world. Um, and a lot of them, you know, just doing different things from coaching college basketball to, you know, being vice presidents at Verizon and, and things like that. So it was always a joy to see that. You know they use basketball as a vehicle, like I said before, and not allow basketball to use them. You know because so many kids play the game, and they think they're gonna make it to the NBA, but there's only a small percentage that's gonna make it. So Mm -hmm. you gotta make sure that at the end of the day, you get that degree and be able to go on and do some other things. You know it's like I told one of the kids that went on to Princeton. You know guys guys that go to Princeton don't play on the basketball in the NBA they own the nba teams, <laughs> so you
0: know
6: <laughs> you know that, that's what you want to do i mean there's always opportunities it's just a matter of
0: right.
1: if you
6: take advantage of the opportunities you know you don't wow. you know you can be involved in basketball and not be playing the game you can be coaching it you can be the general manager you know you can be the marketing director you can do a lot of things and still be involved with the sport
2: wow wow and, and that's great that you give these guys this insight as well um and uh, are are you a non or are you totally sponsored by Nike?
6: We're a non-profit. We're non We are we are sponsored by Nike, but we are also a non-profit organization.
2: Okay. And and how can people um, you know, donate to your organization? How can they find um your um your website and ways they can, you know, participate as
0: well?
6: Well, they can find the website at um www.teamtakeoverbasketball.com. Um and usually from a, you can you can donate from on to that website and if anybody need to get in contact they can also text us they can almost I'm sorry email at www. no I'm sorry dc team takeover i think it's dc team takeover basketball at yahoo.com
2: okay Very good. And um, checked out the website, saw some of the the pictures of the players and um, some of the uh, (laughs) – man, the web is on fire about you guys, man. Everybody's (laughs) writing an article about, you know, your accomplishments and just, you know, how all the college coaches have got their eyes on you guys and um, your program and just what you're able to do.
6: Oh, yeah. I mean, even as as McHale goes through the process, he can be the first one to tell you, like, he's been – you know, really caught up in a whirlwind of coaches calling and they trying to figure out where he's going to end up at. And it's a little stressful for him, you know, to where he's turned his cell phone off and a lot of coaches are saying, well, how are we going to build a relationship when we can't get in contact with him? But guys, them being adults have to understand it's tough for a kid to make an important decision like that. And sometimes those kids do need time
1: <laughs>
2: to
6: just really sit and think about things and think what's the best situation for him, as opposed to, constantly
2: having people just to them yeah so tell us mikhail what is it like to have all these um coaches pulling on your ear
7: uh, i'm gonna say at the beginning of the process it's really exciting because you like like being able to talk to certain coaches and hey, coaches that are like all the family like just having that experience is really exciting but after a while like you get tired of it you sometimes you don't feel like talking to them a lot of the times, the coaches say the same thing, so it's like you're repeating. So each time you get on the phone, so I'm gonna say I'm, I'm 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 happy. I'm 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 thankful for being able to have this opportunity, but at times it do get stressful.
1: Wow, wow!
2: Sometimes it's too much of a good thing, than not. Huh? <laughs> exactly. Wow. Yeah, but better you being on this side of the fence than the other, though.
1: Yeah, it is.
2: Yeah, well, that's awesome. Well, look, I want to thank you guys and um, for, for calling in. And, um, you know, Keith, I, I'd love to talk with you again and talk a little bit more about um, what you do and the success of your players and your program and just being a mentor and, um, you know, the importance of being a role model for these um, young men out there. And um, I just want to commend you for what you're doing and um, just really appreciate uh, anybody who makes an effort to make contact and to develop relationships with our young people, man, because they are our future, man. You know, and Thanks. regardless, regardless of what they may do in life, man, if if we can we can at least teach them a little um, discipline and respect, and to yes. to show them some focus in their lives, and to help them to get past this tough phase. I mean, I mean that's a blessing in itself.
6: Yes, I think it is, and I thank you for having us, giving us the opportunity to come on in speak about the program and, you know, thank you for all the kind words about the program and you know, we just gonna keep chopping the way we're actually working on adding a girls program to it. You know, that way we can touch more of the youth in this community.
2: Oh yeah, that that would be great, man. That that is awesome. And um yeah, as soon as you do and um you know, anything we can do to help man, let us know. If you ever need Airtime. If you ever need to just put the word out about anything that's going on, um, feel free to give us a call back, and um, we'll be happy to talk with you again.
6: Thank you again. Once again, we really, really do appreciate y'all taking time and allowing us to come on.
2: All right. Well, um, and you too, Mikhail. Appreciate you taking time out, and you hang in there, man. I'm sure everything's going to work out just fine for you. All right. Thank you. All right, then. We'll talk with you All right. guys Thanks soon.
6: You again. Okay. okay. Appreciate you.
2: Mm-hmm. Bye. Hi, I'm Michael Fordham, host of A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. I want to take a quick minute to talk to you about Young Lives DC 34. Young Lives is a unique, cutting-edge, nonprofit Christian organization designed to empower and equip pregnant and parenting teen moms to become productive citizens in the community. A program that partners teens and mature Christian women to provide teen girls in crisis with timely encouragement, guidance, and ongoing support. Through the power of presence, kids' and teens' lives are dramatically impacted when caring adults come alongside them, sharing God's love. Because someone believes in them, they begin to see that their lives have great worth, meaning, and purpose. This is just the first step in a lifelong journey. The choices they make today based on God's love for them will impact their future decisions, the careers they choose, the marriages they form, and the families they raise. And all of this can be traced back to the time when a Young Life leader reached out and entered their world. For more information or to get involved, check out their webpage at www.younglives.younglife.org. Or if you're in the D.C. metropolitan area, call
0: 202-399-7017.
2: I believe in the profession of journalism. I believe that the public journal is a public trust, that all connected with it are, to the full measure of their responsibility, trustees for the public that acceptance of a lesser service than the public service is a betrayal of this trust. I believe that clear thinking and clear statement, accuracy, and fairness are fundamental to good journalism. I believe that a journalist should write only what he holds in his heart to be true. I believe that suppression of the news for any consideration other than the welfare of society is indefensible. I believe that no one should write as a journalist what he would not say as a gentleman. That bribery by one's own pocketbook is as much to be avoided as bribery by the pocketbook of another. That individual responsibility may not be escaped by pleading another's instruction or another's dividends. I believe that advertising, news, and editorial columns should alike serve the best interest of its readers that a single standard of helpful truth and cleanliness should prevail for all, that the supreme test of good journalism is the measure of its public service. I believe that the journalism which succeeds best and best deserves success, fears God and honors man, is stoutly independent, unmoved by pride of opinion or greed of power, constructive, tolerant, but Never careless, self-controlled, patient, always respectful of its readers, but always unafraid, is quickly indignant at injustice, is unswayed by the appeal of privilege or the clamor of the mob, seeks to give every man a chance, and for as far as the law and honest wage and recognition of human brotherhood can make it so, an equal chance. is profoundly patriotic while sincerely promoting international goodwill and cementing world comradeship, is a journalism of humanity and for today's world. That was the Journalist Creed. The Journalist Creed is a code of ethics written around 1906 by the first dean of the Missouri School of Journalism, Walter Williams. One century later, his declaration remains one of the clearest statements of the principles, values, and standards of journalists throughout the world. The plaque bearing the creed is located on the main stairwell to the second floor of Neff Hall. It seems that the truth has somehow lost its appeal. In today's society, what really can we say is the truth? Most of what we hear from news sources, whether they're TV, radio, newspapers, magazines, and the Internet, have been crafted with only one goal in mind, to sell more publications, to get higher ratings, and grab the attention of more and more consumers. We as consumers have been corralled, misled, polluted, and confused by the media hype and spin doctor machine until we're too exhausted and Overwhelmed by the rhetoric and minutiae to have the real focused attention needed to analyze the facts when the truth finally does come to light. The story that could be has become so enticing to the media conglomerates that the real story and the great story no longer resemble one another. A measure of truth attempts to expose the underlying truth of news stories that you all have heard before, but gives you first-hand accounts from key players that have not yet been giving a voice to tell the facts. These bearers of the truth are often forced to wait until the media hype has expired, and the backstory, which was in fact the only story, finally comes into vogue. When news and information comes with this much baggage, you can only hope for a measure of truth. If I may paraphrase Stephen King, the most important things are the hardest things to say. These are the things you feel ashamed of because mere words only diminish the thought. You see, words shrink things that seem limitless when they were in our hearts and minds to no more than just living size when brought out into the open. Oh, but it's more than that, isn't it? You see, the most important things... Lie too close to wherever your secret heart is buried. Like landmarks to a treasurer, your enemies would love to steal away and use against you at the worst possible moment. But still, you make revelations that cost you dearly, only to have people look at you like you're crazy. Not understanding what you've said at all or why you thought it was so important that you almost cried when you were saying it. Do you know what's even worse than that? Is when the secret stays locked within and you can't get it out. Not for want of the courage to talk about it, but for want of someone who will just listen. Just listen. As someone who spends a great deal of time searching for the truth, the lesson that I've learned from this quote is, if you want the truth you have to be prepared to release all judgment and be open enough to hear and accept the truth in whatever form it might take. Judgment alters the truth by changing how it's told or presented. Not accepting the truth stops the bearer from sharing the truth. Ignoring the truth kills ambition and is a recipe for disaster and makes success impossible. We all over the years have learned to guard ourselves against deception, but I've also come to realize that in most cases, you don't even have to discover or discern the truth. You just have to let it be and see it for what it is. Maybe you have a story too. It doesn't have to be just like the one we've heard. Hey, I just want to let you know, I'm here. And I'm willing to listen. All I ask from you is a measure of truth. Kurt Mansell is a man determined to change the face of the world by representing God's truth by example. His perception and insight of the word of God comes across with eye-opening illumination of the scriptures. His approach to ministry is that of a servant ordained to do what the Lord has revealed. See what diligence and dedication to the Word has enabled him to discover concerning the riches God's kingdom makes available to us all. The Acceptable Spiritual Mind by Kurt Mansell, available at Barnes and & Nobles and Amazon.com. Hi, I'm Michael Fordham, host of A Measure of Truth on BlogTalkRadio.com. And I just wanted to let you know that during the next few months, Healthy Kinder Incorporated will be running its Give 5 campaign to raise money for childhood obesity prevention programs throughout the metropolitan area. Please visit the Give 5 campaign page on the website today at healthykinderkids.org to learn more about how you can make a significant difference in the lives of our children. Please share this message with your friends and family members to support this very important and worthy cause. Even their children can benefit from the Healthy Kinder programs. We encourage you to contact your congressperson and state representatives and ask them to support President Obama's health care reform plan. Prevention is key to the survival of our future generation. And thank you for taking time out of your busy day for a measure of truth.
0: You're all I ever wanted, ever needed It took me some time to realize It was food you was feeding And it's good for my soul, I receive it It breaks my heart to see you on the cross Dying, bleeding, every word out your mouth I receive it when you crack the sky Can't imagine how I feel when I see it It's your spirit that replenishing. and I need it It's because of you, I could do all things and achieve it Your grace and your mercy keeps me If it wasn't for you, where would I be? I'd be probably on my last leg I'll be probably sleeping in my grave But now I got life in abundance And that's because Christ gave me a chance Now there ain't no way that I'm gonna lose I win in the end all because of you Is you, is you All I ever want is you, is you, is you All I ever need like his that's one to be kind, and there ain't no one who could come close, to Elohim he's the Lord of all mighty to save and deliver, when I call on him he answers, I find no fault in the land who comes through, I can count on you, is you, is you. you, all I ever wanted you, is you, is you. you, all I ever needed
2: Welcome back, Truth Seekers. We've been listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com, and we also had our special feature, King Street, that we hope to have again in the near future. I'm Michael Fordham, and before we go, here's a little something to take with you. Ask God for wisdom daily, but know that your lesson can come from anybody or any situation, good or bad, friend or foe. Watch your thoughts.
0: Y'all, <laughs> measuring truth. Sauce <soft> Radio. <laughs> yeah, all those other stations out there, they always got something to say. <laughs> sure, but uh, not this station right here. We don't just got something to say, y'all. We got the truth.